You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Last week I started our preaching series on this core value of Gospelite. We've been preaching through the core values of our church, and here it is for this month. Are you ready? Hope. Hope. Now this is Gospelite's core value. Hope is what we offer to the world as a church, and the sermon series title that we're, we're preaching throughout this month about that core value is this, what is a great church? And we discussed last week that the word great is, is sometimes not understood like probably it should be. The word great means above average. It means not business as usual, right? For us, it might mean this, next level, to be great. You've got to know what it means to go to the next level. And so we began last week with one of the key ingredients of the early church. As we read through the book of Acts, we find this word great showing up often. And usually, after the word great, there's a word. And that word is an ingredient to what makes a great church. And so last week, the word that was attached to the word great was power. And we said that, that, that a great church has great power, and it shakes the world for Jesus. We know the power source is God. He is the source of all power. And so as we get plugged into the power of prayer, and as we get plugged into the power of passion, and as we get plugged into the power of preaching, then we can build and be a part of a great church where the power supply is coming from God himself. And I hope today that I'm plugged into that power for the sake of anything that could happen worthwhile this morning at Gospel Light. Now, the second ingredient is this. A great church has, are you ready? Great grace. Great grace. And the the, the title of my message also includes this. That still amazes me. I'm going to ask you a question this morning as we move through the message. Does God's grace still amaze you? Now, before we jump into the message, I, I want to say something that I already know. I already know this. I don't have to take a poll or, or really even ask anyone. I think everyone in this building would say yes to one of these. For instance, I came this morning with bearing a heavy load. Preacher, I, I just, and somebody in my family passed away. Or cancer is is racking my family's life or there's some sort of financial pressure or my husband lost his job or my marriage is just on the rocks. I mean, there's a number of things that you could have brought into this service this morning that you're going through right now. Could be that someone else has walked into the building this morning just looking to experience the comfort of God. You're just tired of hurting and and you just need some relief. Maybe others in the building this morning are going through some serious adversity. Just you feel the enemy or enemies uh, coming against you and you sense in your spirit just it's, you're very uncomfortable. And you've come this morning with bearing that burden of adversity. There might even be some new Christians here this morning. I mean, new believers who are needing to experience something uh, from the Bible. You're, just, you're, you're here today saying, I don't really know much about the Bible or about what it means to be a Christian, but I'm here to to learn. I want to learn how to be the kind of Christian that I should be. 
I think all of us would agree, as we said last week, that we, we want to be a part of a great church. And last week, at the, we looked at this key verse in Acts 4.33 that follows along into this Sunday. Look at it on the screen. It says, with great power, that was last week, but in the same verse, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And here it is, church, great, there's that word again, but next to it, grace. Great power, and today, great grace. But I want you to see something that is awesome. This great grace did not just come upon some of them or a few of them or some of them that were really smart in the Bible or or just a certain group in the church. Do you see what I see? The great grace of God came upon all of them. So, So what is grace? I mean, if it's so great, Pastor, what exactly is it? You know, the most known hymn that's ever been written was written by a man by the name of John Newton. In fact, if you're not even all that much of a churchgoer or not super familiar with hymns, I guarantee you I don't have to put the words to this on the screen to get a choir going this morning. Sing the first verse with me if you know it. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see. Wow. So what is it? What, what, what is so amazing about grace? Is grace something we say at mealtime? Hey, hey, who, who wants to say grace today? Is grace something that, that, that we say about someone after their performance? Wow, they, they danced so gracefully. They, they, they did that act so gracefully. Grace is one of those special words that, that, that belongs to the child of God. And what's interesting is, The Bible doesn't give us any definition of the word grace in Scripture. And so consequently, I believe that many people say the word, but really don't understand what it is. It's like the preacher who stood up in front of his congregation, and he said, hey, listen, I'd like to just make a a point that, that this church needs a chandelier. And one of the members angrily stood up and said, no way, pastor, I'm against it totally for three reasons. And he said, what are they? So number one, I don't think we need a chandelier because I don't think anyone in here could actually spell it to order it. Number two, I don't think anyone knows how to actually play a chandelier. And number three, what this church really needs is more light. I don't really think they knew what the word meant. Looks like some of you don't know what it means either. Sometimes we just like, okay, what, what exactly is that word? Some have used the acronym of grace and said it is God's riches at Christ's expense. And this is true. It's a, it's a decent definition. Nothing wrong with it, but it's so much more than that. The Bible says that grace is something that can be seen. And grace is something that came by someone. And it needs to be received. 
Look, at, look with me, if you would, at John 1 on the screen. It says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we observed something. We saw something. We observed. What did they observe? We observed his glory. The glory as the one and only Son, Jesus, from the Father. Here's what we observed. He was full of grace and truth. Indeed, we have all received grace upon grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses, but grace, grace, it came through Jesus Christ. So what is this grace that was seen, and what is this grace that they received from Jesus? Well, grace is a threefold concept. Number one, listen to this, there is saving grace. Saving grace. Grace, Saving grace is defined as oftentimes as God's unmerited favor. If I could just put it in good old southern language, I deserve to die and go to hell, but God saved me by his grace. Amen? Amen. It's the truth. I did deserve to die. I did deserve to go to hell. But God saved me, not because of anything I did, but by his grace. God's unfailing love and faithfulness demonstrated to me on the cross at Calvary. And then there's God's sustaining grace. Sustaining grace is the second concept of grace. Grace is the ability that God gives us to do or not to do what we normally or naturally could or could not do. I think in your notes I have it like this. It is the supernatural power that God gives Christians to handle life's situations. I mean, look at you. You're here this morning. I already said you brought in burdens and trials and and, and, and adversity, but you're here. Because somehow it's supernatural that God gives this power to people who go through things in life because, as we all know, life can be difficult. Life can be hard. And we all desperately need the sustaining grace of God. And then thirdly, there's what I'm going to call sticking grace. Sticking grace is simply the grace that gives us power to keep doing the work that God has called us to do. Pastor Capace, so how long you been here at Gospelite? Been pastoring this church for 31 years. 31, I don't even look like I'm 31, right? Oh, that would have been a great spot to say amen, man. I've been here for 31 years. You say, how in the world have you stayed at one church for 31 years? Sticking grace. It ain't easy. It's not easy for you to stay and listen to me. (laughs) For 31, or, or even one sermon. But you're here today, and you're listening, and you're, you're, you're observant. Why? Because of what's called sticking grace. Paul summed it up this way in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10. He said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. In fact, on the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. We need God's grace. We need it in our homes. We need it in our marriages. We need it in our church, our work, our school, our college, our community. When you think about God's kindness, when you think about God's mercy, when you think about God's goodness, would you not agree 
that it still amazes me. It amazes me. It actually blows me away when I think about the grace of God. So why did the early church have great grace upon them? And all of them. Not every single one of them. How did they achieve that? And what, what did they do that we here at Gospel Light can do as well? Well, I want to give you three things. And these, things will, these three things all come from Scripture. And there are three lessons to learn from God's, from the early church about how God's grace can still amaze us. So you ready for number one? Number one is this. The first thing we see about the early church that had great grace is that they were converted by the grace of God. They were converted. In other words, and I want to ask you a question, if I could. Does God's saving grace still amaze you? Because the foundation of the early church is that they had been saved by the grace of God. And what we know and what we read in the story of the early church was so many people were getting saved. Look at Acts chapter 2 and verse number 47. It says, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And look at this, church. This is really good. Every single day the Lord added to, the, to their number those who are being saved. Every single day someone was getting saved. Every single day someone was coming to know Christ. Every single day there was a Josh Odell that was coming to know Christ and getting baptized. Every day. I mean, wasn't that awesome? Can you, can you imagine tomorrow and the next day and the next day? This was a mark of the early church that said it had great grace because it had great conversions. And the reason they received the grace of God was this. They responded to the preaching of the gospel of the grace of God. And here's what they preached in Acts 3.19. Repent and turn back. Why? So that your sins may be wiped out. And then in Acts 15, 11, it says, on the contrary, we believe we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way they are. This, my friends, is the saving grace of God. This church, these people were the recipients of the gift of salvation by grace. Remember what that is, undeserved favor. We are saved by grace, not of works. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, For you are saved by grace through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. Do you see it, church? Do you see it? What made the church great was they were converted by the grace of God. They knew they were sinners in need of a Savior. They understood that. It was all of grace not of man. There were no works to earn salvation. Listen, you don't get grace through religion. You don't get grace through baptism. You don't get grace through communion. You don't get grace through rules. You don't get grace through regulations. The only way to get grace is through a relationship with Jesus. Romans 5.15. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But I've got some good news. Even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. Wow. 
This grace came to us because of what Jesus has done. Not anything we can do or have done. It came because Jesus died for our sins. And over and over in Paul's writing, especially in Romans, and the word grace is mentioned over 130 times. And two-thirds of those times, the apostle Paul is the one who actually says the word grace. No wonder he's called the apostle of grace. But, but over and over in Paul's writings, he mentions the grace of God. Nobody is saved by what he does. It's all by grace. Nobody is saved through religion. It's all by grace. Nobody is saved by joining a church. It's all by grace. Nobody is saved by living a good life. It's all by grace. Nobody is saved by turning over a new leaf. It's all by grace. And when Paul was preaching to the early church, that's what he said. Listen in Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Paul said, my purpose, I want this to be me. I do, I want this to be my purpose, is to finish my course and the ministry I received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of God's grace. Note what Luke, who was the writer of Acts, tells us about the people that were in Corinth that Paul had led to the Lord in Acts 18. Verse 27, when he wanted to cross over to Achaia, Luke said, the brothers and sisters wrote to the disciples to welcome Paul. After he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed. What makes a great church? A church where its members have been converted by the grace of God. That's what makes a great church. Saving grace. That song we've sung many times in our church family. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You laid down your life. That I would be set free. Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Does that amaze you? It still amazes me. Oh, to sing that song, to sing these songs we've sung this morning, to think that there's another in the fire standing next to me, to think that God's amazing grace has saved me is overwhelming, as Desi said when she introduced that song. It's overwhelming. Question, have you been converted by the amazing grace of God? Have you been? If you haven't, would you be today? Would you be converted by the grace of God? Would you come? You don't have to wait till the service is over. Come anytime you'd like. You can come and be saved this morning. Maybe you might want to come now or come in the response time or come up to me after the service. I mean, but come. And if you have been converted by the grace of God, question, how amazed are you by that? How amazed? Number two, they were commended to the grace of God. They were commended. Unusual word. But here's my question for you. Does God's sustaining grace still amaze you? Yes, we need the saving grace of God to save us. But I want you to know, church, we also need the grace of God to help us to do the work that God's called us to do. And when people like Paul were sent out to do the work of God, the Bible records the church would commend them to the grace of God. It happens often in the Bible. Let me show you a couple of illustrations. Look, if you would, at Acts chapter 14 and verse 26. From there they sailed back to Antioch. 
where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. We, we see this practice all throughout the early church. Let me give you another example in Acts 16, verse 40. But Paul chose Silas and departed after being commended by the brothers and sisters to the grace of God. So I have a question. This word commended to the grace of God. What does that exactly mean? What does it mean to be commended to the grace of God? Have you ever been commended uh, to the grace of God? Well, let's understand what it means. To commend means to entrust. Let's look at a paraphrase from Eugene Peterson as he writes this verse in his paraphrase called the Message Bible. He, he says it happened this way. Look at Acts 14, 26. I love this. Finally, they made it to Ataliah and caught a ship back to Antioch where it had all started. Launched by God's grace and now safely home by God's grace. A good piece of work. Do you see it? They began by grace. They were launched by God's grace. Just like I was launched by God's grace 31 years ago to, to, with my brother and a handful of people to start Gospel Light. If you'd have looked where we started that church in, in, in a, in a drug-infested neighborhood, across the street was a, a crack house, and, and we were robbed. You know, I've often said 11 times, 22 windows broken, and here was this immature, uneducated preacher I mean, was, there was no hope for this church except for the grace of God. I promise you that. We launched this church impossible for man to do. It had to be God's grace. And here we are 31 years later. Now, we've not yet gotten home. We're still going. But by God's grace, I want to pastor this church safely till I go meet my Savior or till I step down and somebody else steps in and, and, and I finish my course. Are you with me? How have you stayed in church? How have you stayed in this church? How have you stayed listening to me preaching for 20 minutes this morning? By God's grace. By God's grace. Are you with me? What an incredible verse. Oh, listen. It was the sustaining grace of God that kept them able to do the work of God. Church family, this is finding grace to help in time of need, not before the need. You see, it's so what we want to do is find grace to help before it happens. You know, if I would have known everything that would have happened in 31 years of pastoring, I don't think I'd ever start this church. If you would have told me, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, or this is going to happen, I'd say, I'm going to go start a business. <laughs> I can't handle that. And I couldn't have handled it then. But Hebrews 4.16 says this. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and grace to help us in time of need. Are you with me? This is why I said what I said in my introduction, that people are coming this morning with burdens. I had a lady come this morning in the first service, and she said, I, I just need to cry. Can I cry? And I said, you bet you can. You came to the right place to cry. Because what we want to do is we want to let you cry and we want God to wipe those tears away or to at least replace them with joy's tears of joy. And I think by the end of the service, she was encouraged and refreshed. I'm praying she found grace to help in time of need. 
And you know, my prayer is this morning for everybody sitting in this church is that you would leave with some great grace. That you would have a dose of grace that you've never had before. That you would experience as a result of being in this place grace to help in time of need. Grace is never late. And grace is never early. But grace is always right on time. I don't look forward to the call that I know I'll get one day. I know I'll get it, but I don't look forward to the call that I'll get one day that says, hey, Eric, uh, I, I need to talk to you. It's just, are you alone? Are you sitting down? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm doing all, what, what, what is it? My dad's 82. He's, he's healthy, but I mean, I, I don't know. You know, you know, I just, I don't know how I'd handle that call, to be honest with you. Your dad's gone. Hmm. To be honest with you right now, that just, I have fear of that call. I, I don't know what to say. I don't know how I would respond. But I can tell you this, when it happens, he'll give me grace. He'll give me grace. I, I don't like the call. I don't look forward to the call that comes that says, hey, Eric, uh, listen, you went to the doctor, did some blood work. I need you to come back, do some more blood work. We found something. Doesn't look good. PSA counts kind of high. Well, whatever it is, I don't look forward to that call. It may never come. It may, it may not. I don't know. But if it does, Eric, how would you handle that call? That sounds awful. I don't know right now. But I can promise you this. I can look you straight in the eye and say, I'll have grace to help in time of need. Are you with me? This is God's sustaining grace. I know the grace will be there to meet me when it comes. And Paul reminded us about the grace to help when we need the strength. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8. And pay attention to the four times he says every. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you in every way, always having everything you need. You may excel in every good work. I love it, don't you? I mean, God's not leaving a lot of room for failure there. He, he cannot fail. And he wants us to know four times in one verse, he's got everything we need, all the grace for every situation in life. Amen. Peter, in his last words, before he died, he's encouraging suffering Christians to grow in grace. Get grace enough to stand in the midst of your trials. He says in 2 Peter chapter 3, in verse number 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter knew what kind of grace we would need when we face difficulty. We would need sustaining grace. You know, when we first had our fifth-born child, we had four healthy, I mean, just athletes, Mo, Joe, so, uh, Mo, Joe, Zoe, and Chloe. I mean, you know, 32 now, 30, 24, 22, and healthy and all played college ball, and then we had our fifth born, and we knew something was wrong. We knew she, you know, wearing a diaper when you're four and five is not normal. We could tell there was some, something wrong. We didn't know what it was. But she walked funny. She had some low muscle tone. We were trying to figure this thing out, you know, after about the 30th trip to Children's Hospital and runs to the emergency room where we thought she was going to die from spiked fever and vomit that was just different from normal vomit it was just she was just 
It was scary. And finally, we went to a doctor that diagnosed it. And he said, she has Phelan McDermott syndrome. And I know you've never heard of that, and it's rare, and very few people in the world have it. But she does. And when we got the news, it was almost a relief. But I can tell you, honey, that after all these years, she's 17, still wears a diaper, still has low muscle tone, still gets a fever, still, listen, when she gets sick, it's, it's, it's different than when you get sick. It's just, it's just that she can't communicate, so it's, it's crazy. You say, well, pastor, that, that must be really difficult. It is, but, honey, I think you'd say this with me. God's sustaining grace has made it much easier. If not easy, if not. It's difficult, but God's grace through the journey of a special needs child, just like through your journey of losing a loved one, losing a spouse, going through a divorce, having a financial trouble, losing a business, losing a job. How in the world do we make it when we look at others and say, I don't know how they make it without God's grace. They don't. We have this grace that God has given us through Jesus Christ, and it is his sustaining grace And yes, we need God's saving grace. But we also need God's grace that gives us strength through the trials. We've already sung one one verse of amazing grace. And just in case you don't know this by heart, would you sing this one with me? Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already Come, tis grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Hallelujah. Trust in God's grace to be there right on time when you need it. If that was the first time you've ever heard the song, there's another in the fire. Listen to it again and think about this. Because those three Hebrew children that went to that fiery furnace didn't get the grace they needed until they got in the fire. It's when you're in the fire that you experience God's grace. Stephen was stoned, but it wasn't until he was stoned that he saw the grace of God. He saw Jesus. Paul was stoned at Lystra. And he saw and experienced the grace of God. It'll always be there. The bottom line is this. It's all by, God, by grace. Everything God does in you and everything God does for you and everything God does through you, he does by grace. And the way, let's go back to the commended thing for just a minute. The way they were commended to the grace of God was that they were committed to the word of his grace. Which will build us up so that we'll be able to face the situations of life. And that's not in your notes, but it's a, it's, it's a statement I really want you to understand. Because we need to understand the commitment of spending time in God's word and how this, how this helps us. With our grace. Look at Acts 20, 32. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Church family, pay close attention to the word of his grace. 
They spent time in the Word of God. Last week we gave a, a, a book out to those that wanted it that uh, helped us to pray through the Psalms. And I don't know if you've been able to do some of it yet, but if you have, and I've talked to a few that have, it's, it's really refreshing to go to God's Word and experience the Word of His grace. There's three ways we can do it. Number one, we can sing His grace and sing with grace. Colossians 3.16 says this, Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another through psalms and through hymns and spiritual songs, singing with gratitude, with grace in your hearts. I love that. Can I tell you a moment ago when we sang that new song, Taste and See. Oh, taste and see. I was thinking as I was singing about the goodness of God and the grace of God as we sang that together for the very first time. I'm looking forward to singing it again in our missions conference. And next weekend, as we learn that song together, and I love as we introduce new songs, we get a chance to really learn them and experience them so they become more familiar, so that we can sing them from our hearts to the Lord. By the way, that's all we're doing when we sing on Sundays is we're just singing from our hearts to the Lord. Amen? With grace and gratitude for all he's done. Number two, we can speak with grace. Look at Colossians 4, 6. Let your speech always be gracious. Let it always be seasoned with salt so that you may know how you should answer each person so that you would know how to answer your spouse, so that you would know how to talk to your kids, so coaches, you would know how to talk to your players, so pastors, you would know how to preach to your congregants, so siblings, you would know how to speak to your... Let your speech always be with gracious words. Let your mouth speak what is spiritual, wholesome, kind, sensitive, complimenting, gentle, truthful, loving, and thoughtful, seasoned with salt. What in the world would salt do in our speech? Well, number one, it would flavor our conversations. I mean, listen, just the right word at just the right time. I'm always looking for an opportunity to say just the right word at just the right time. I love walking down the hallways of Champion Christian College and seeing these students. And you guys know this about me. If you've walked by me, I'm usually going to say something. What's up? How you doing? When's your next game? Let's go Tigers. Maybe a high five or a low five or a whatever. The classes that I teach, I'm teaching five classes this semester. Uh, but you walk into a class and, and it's always, you know, hey guys, how's it going? Good morning. Good to see you guys. Man, I love you. I'm always going to look for a way to season my speech with, with gracious words. Just right word at the right time. Man, I can tell you what, my marriage is always better when I can say the right word at the right time. She got on me the other day. I said, honey, you look nice. She said, you said Chloe looked beautiful. I said, oh, I'm sorry. You're beautiful, you know. Our speech. Secondly, we could prevent corruptions. When we say the right word, when we season our speech with salt, our speech should keep conversations from degrading to pure gossip. I'm afraid this happens far too often. Here we are in a small group or maybe hanging out at a restaurant or just talking in our dorm rooms or whatever. 
And all of a sudden, you know, the, I'll just use me as an example because it's fun to use your, yourself. Hey, did you hear this about Pastor or Eric or Mr. Capace here? Parishioner, pastor? I, I just, I, yeah, I heard that. What, what, you know more about it? Well, this, that, and the other, and I think, and I'm not sure, but I heard. And I, I wonder if there could be somebody who's got gracious words seasoned with salt that could say, hey, guys, I was just thinking, you know, I know Pastor Capace would love the opportunity to, to answer some of these concerns. Could we call him and put him on speakerphone? I'm sure he'd love, I mean, it'd probably be good. He, he'd really like to know. Hey, I just think, you know, Israel's, uh, you know, have you noticed he's been lazy lately and he hadn't been, he's our janitor, and he hadn't been taking out the trash and I've noticed, hey, uh, boy, I know, I just, and we start gossiping. Could it be possible that somebody could say, hey, I actually know Israel, he's a really good guy and if you don't mind, I'd like to go to him personally and just share these concerns. Why don't you come with me? Let's just include him because I'm afraid this conversation is getting nasty. And this is not really what Christians do. We, we, we don't talk like this. Guys, yesterday at the game, I didn't stay very long, but, I, I, and again, I'm sure there was stuff that I didn't see, but I want you to know I was proud of this team last, last, yesterday. I'm sure, Coach Don, you've got things you always need to work on, right? But in my opinion, I saw a lot of, I love it when you guys, somebody gets a hit and you guys all go out on the, on the uh, field. And every, I mean, and it's 49 of them. Dude, it's an army. Somebody gets a hit, somebody gets a run, right? And it's like, good job, good job. This is what we do. We season our speech to encourage one another. And then finally, it brings healing. Because sometimes our words need to sting. They do. Especially when there's a wound that needs to heal. These are difficult conversations. But this is when I I go to you and I say, listen... I love you too much. This is so hard to talk about, but I've got to bring it up. I've got to talk to you about this because I love you, and I'm just not going to let you do this. You're going to have to go over me, man. You're, I love you too much. Sometimes speech involves that. And then finally, we can study with grace. Hebrews 13, 9 says, Don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teaching, for it is good for the heart to be established by grace, not by food regulations, since those who observe, observe them have not benefited. Think about that verse. Meditate on that for just a moment. God is concerned with the heart, not the head. God is more concerned with grace being settled in your heart rather than you arguing over minor points of Scripture or straining at a gnat, which is what I see so much of Christendom doing, arguing over Scripture, straining at a gnat, making a big deal of things that really, honestly, we're arguing over things. We're we're studying to argue versus studying to abide in Christ. Number three, and I'll be finished, they continued in the grace of God. And here's my question in closing. Does God's sticking grace still amaze you? We need grace to stay in the race and not quit. We need grace to continue in the work that God has called us to do. And may we be reminded this morning by this message that it's not by our strength, but by his strength that we can do anything and continue in the grace of God. Look at Acts chapter 13, verse 43. After the synagogue had been dismissed, Many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas who were speaking with them 
And get this, this is really good. Urging them, like I'm urging you to continue in the grace of God. Why do we need a no-quit attitude to be a great church? Why do we need a no-quit attitude to have great grace? Three reasons. Number one, we can fall from grace. Listen to Galatians 5.4. You who are trying to be justified by the law are alienated from Christ. You have fallen from grace. I have in the margin of my notes this word written, legalism. That's what this is, legalism. To fall from grace does not mean you lose your salvation. To be fallen from grace means that a person has left the sphere of grace. Let me explain. It means we are depending on self. And I think this may be in your notes. But we are depending on self, not God. When we live by grace, we depend on the Spirit's power, not our own efforts. Number two, we can frustrate the grace of God. Well, Galatians 2 verse 20 says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me and the life that I now live in the body, I I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, I do not set aside, I, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, if you can be saved by works, then Christ died for nothing. He says, I do not set aside. I do not frustrate the grace of God. That means to render of none effect. And that is so frustrating. If you could be saved by any act or action, there would have been no reason for Christ to die. But you cannot be saved by your own works. Don't frustrate the purpose of grace. Grace is God giving his life to us. I have a very incredible quote from Charles Spurgeon for you to read. It's on the screen. When the blood-soaked head of my Savior fell upon his chest and he said, It is finished. Every demon in hell ran to the caverns of the deep and Satan trembled in horror. In that instant, the God of all grace took a parchment of human flesh, the flesh of his son, and wrote on it with the ink of his blood, Saved grace. Now, when I doubt and the roaring lion comes into my house and says, you're not worthy. You're not worthy of the grace of God. I just open my Bible and I look hell's legions in the eye and I say, I'm saved by the grace of God. Amen. Amen. And then finally, we can fail the grace of God. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 15 says this, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. How do we fail the grace of God? Listen, we don't have time to develop this, just 30 seconds, but if you look at the context of this particular passage, you go up to verse 11 and you quickly see it's evident he's talking about the chastening hand of God. When God corrects you, that's because he loves you. Don't fail to understand that when you are corrected, that is the grace of God. That's God's grace. He loves you so much to bring you back to him and to fall short of God's intended purpose of the chastening 
to get bitter instead of better. Come on now. Oh, listen, we must decide I'm not going to get bitter. I'm going to get better. And if we don't, we're failing the grace of God. The purpose for which he chastened us was to bring us back. Don't push him away. Receive it. Repent. Turn back to Christ. Let's continue in the grace of God. May we serve by grace, give by grace, and live by grace. And I'm going to close with one passage of Scripture. We're going to pray and sing. But I love this. I do. This is awesome. Barnabas was one of my favorite Bible uh, missionaries in the book of Acts. And Barnabas saw the church at Antioch. And here's what happened, church. When Barnabas saw the church in action, he encouraged them to keep depending on God's grace. Look at the verse, Acts eleven twenty three. When he arrived and saw the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with devoted hearts. Could I finish this service off by doing what Barnabas did to that church? But can I do it to you? Can I, can I see this, say this, that I have seen the grace of God this morning? Josh, thank you for your decision to follow Christ because you know what? When I saw you go under and come out, I saw the grace of God. God's grace upon a young man to come to champion, maybe initially to take his game to the next level and to be a, you know, to, to play baseball, the game he loves. But while he was here, he found out there's something he loves more than baseball. It's Jesus. And I saw the grace of God. I saw the grace of God this morning, Jordan, with that song, Taste and See. I saw it. I saw it. I mean, I witnessed it. I, I saw them writing that song and praying over that song and, and, and theologically making sure that that song was, was exactly what Scripture would say in, in song. And I saw the grace of God. I saw the grace of God this morning many times when I met you in the building and you shook my hand and you said, Pastor, it's good to see you. I sure do love you. I was so encouraged. I saw the grace of God today when five rows of family members came to watch their, their son or their nephew or their cousin or their grandchild get baptized. I saw the grace of God this morning when I saw men from Gethsemane come into this building struggling with things in their life, but they said, you know what? We're not going to let those things keep us down. We're going to get into a recovery home and, and let Jeff and, 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 Fran, and Fran, Fran, uh, Frankie, <laughs> Frankie, I had the first syllable right. We're going to let God use them to transform our lives by the grace of Amen. And you're welcome here, guys. We love you. Can you see the grace of God this morning? If you can, respond. Because this is what a great church is. A great church has great grace that you can see because it's been received by Jesus. If you're here today and you'd like to be saved, I encourage you to come. I'll be up front if you'd like someone to pray with you. And if you are saved, I have a question. Does God's grace still amaze you? Does it? Father, thank you so much. I have had so much satisfaction this morning being under your power and grace. Father, I pray that you'd speak as we finish the service and sing and worship. And God, I pray that if there's anyone here today that needs prayer, needs just to lighten that load, that they would experience your great grace this morning, which is so free. So unmerit the unmerited favor of God, may we receive it today.
I love you, Jesus. And I love this church and this congregation. What a joy it is to be here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we stand?